0: I'm in this series, I'm finishing up this series called An Offer You Can Refuse. It's based on Andy Stanley's stuff from North Point in Atlanta, and it's, it's, it, the whole idea is I do believe that we can we can combat temptation. I mean, the, the inside of our mind is like the Star Trek, Starship Enterprise. We can combat temptation. We can do it, and we're obviously looking at, at Jesus as our model for everything that we do, and so we're doing that in this series, and I'm going to finish that up today. Uh, what I want to do first, though, is I, I, want, to, I want to make sure I get to the right audience okay i want to talk to those of you who are addicted to what's next okay you know what i'm talking about Uh, i'm one of these people i'm addicted to what's next what's the next hill to climb what's the next goal to reach what's the next thing that that i want to get done There's, there's nothing wrong with ambition but taken to an unhealthy place it can become next a holism Okay, just I just made up this term, but but think about it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what's next. There's nothing wrong with progress. There's nothing wrong with pushing forward and, and, and taking the next hill. <clears throat> but to its extreme, it can be next to holism. There's nothing wrong with wine. There's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with work, but taken to its extreme, it can be over the top. Okay, maybe this is you. If the service lasts five minutes too long, you're out after communion, because you got to make the, you know, the dinner reservations, or you got to get to your nap, or you got to get to the next thing, because you're in a hurry. Maybe you're a parent next nextaholic you're like the von trapp mom and you got your little whistle and you know you blow your whistle and all the kids have to line up and it drives you nuts if they're out climbing a tree because they're five years old and they've got to learn cursive or how else are they going to get into harvard maybe that's you maybe you're a spouse nextaholic and you got this to-do list for your husband, I mean spouse, that's like 25 things they got to be done by four o'clock on Saturday because you got all these things. And if that's in you, then there's probably other people around you that aren't like that. There're probably other people around you that you're like, man, why don't you just run faster? Why don't you jump higher? You could do so much more. And you're you're wondering why they enjoy life so much because you can't enjoy life because you're worrying about things for the both of them. Does that sound familiar? Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, you're like Kevin on the office, you know, you're kind of like whatever I loved his line last week Not everyone's Michael freaking Scott, you know, I mean not everybody is like this But but some of us are some of us are next to holics Maybe you're in corporate America and you got your eye on that next job and you're thinking Well, maybe I'm the right person for that job when that person transfers over or does something else Then I can move myself in and, and you love to go forward and you love progress and you're ambitious and you are just wired that way Beanie beanie beachie. I came I saw I conquered that's you. Okay, here's the deal if you have any of that in you, and all of us have some of it in you, but if you have a lot of that in you, I am one of you. Hello, my name is Tim, and I'm an nextaholic. Welcome, Tim. There's one alcoholic in the room. I thought there were more, okay? But when I say that, you're supposed to say, Welcome, Tim, okay? Hello, my name is Tim, and I'm an nextaholic. Yeah, okay, and some of you feel me, okay? Part of that is okay. I want you to I mean, I'm a pastor of one of the 100 fastest growing churches in the country. Okay? That that would put me in that category, no matter what. Okay, And some of that is good because why I want the church to grow is because I have Jesus and I think Jesus is the answer to every problem that is out there. So obviously this is a good thing. And what's inside of you may be a good thing. In the beginning, God was a nextaholic. In the beginning, God said, I'm not happy with the way things are. So he created the heavens and the earth. And he said, here's what I want to have happen. And he created more. God loves next, just like you do. And what's inside of you is probably a mom that wants the best for her kid. It's probably a a boss that wants to build a company so that people could be gainfully employed. That thing that's inside of you may be good, but to, to be taken to an extreme causes one of two problems. The first one is it makes the people around us crazy. Am I right? I mean, if you work for me or you're related to me, I apologize because I know that that makes people crazy and you can come off too strong because you're so concerned about the things that's coming up. And the second problem for those of you who are in my little group is the temptation. The problem is the temptation that we get to the point where we're so goal oriented and so future oriented that we can be tempted to compromise to get what it is that we want. I mean, I Even even building a church, even something that's a holy ambition, even something that I believe God has created a vision for us inside, like having great kids or whatever it is, or building a company, even if it's a good thing, I'm not talking about a bad thing, a good thing can be a temptation because Satan at some point may come along and say, Hey, I know where you want to go, and this is the track you're on to get there, but I can take you around the corner if you'll just bow to me, and I can get you there faster. And the question for us is, should I take what I value? Should I take what I've always been taught is right? Should I take what Scripture teaches, what I think God wants, and set that aside for just a moment so that I can get her done and get to that place that I want to be? Oh, you know what? I'll get back on track. I'm not becoming an atheist. I'm not giving up my faith. Just for a minute, I just want to take those things and set them aside and go to the place where I need to be. And it's in that moment, in that moment of decision, that you're going to discover who you really are, your character, and whose you really are. Are you gods or are you not? And really, I mean, I can't talk about this enough. The the way we understand God is the way we deal with temptation. Because if I understand who God is and how much God loves me and how much he cares for me and how much he wants the best, the absolute best for me, then that makes it easier for me to battle temptation. Again, I mean, I know we already talked about it, but get in this Monbi thing and figure out what your pathway is to figure out how God works and who God is in your life. It's phenomenal stuff because everybody is wired different. And when you get in on that then, and you get, get one of these packets and you can start to figure out how to know God better, it's going to help you. It's going to jumpstart your spiritual life and it's going to help you with temptation. you got your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to finish this up. I've been going through the three temptations. The three temptations that Jesus went through, but kind of really summarizes all of temptation for us, okay? And we've been saying this over and over again through this series, and and it's just a line I want you to say to me again. I want us to say it out loud again. Temptation, you will not steal my future, my family, and my faith. Let's say that together. Temptation, you will not steal my future and my family or my faith. Okay, let me let me back up and talk about that kind of as a way to review. We talked about how the fact that when we have a temptation in our life, usually we think it's about now, but it's really not about now. It's about now and all the rest of the nows from then on. And most of us in this room, I definitely in this room, could tell you of times when I gave in a temptation and I thought it was just about that moment. It was just about that thing. But it really wasn't because it affected the rest of the life. It affected affected me for years. It's not about that one thing. It's about the future. And we talk about Jesus. If Jesus had given in to this temptation, if he had given in to Satan at one of these three places, he wouldn't be the perfect son of God anymore. He couldn't go to the cross and die for our sins. It wouldn't do any good because he wouldn't be the perfect sacrifice. And we would still be doomed. I mean, that's how big this deal was. It looked like it was just make a stone into bread. It looked like it was just bow to Satan for just a moment. But it was much bigger than that. He will not steal your future. And he will not steal your family. I mean, the devil, we've talked about the devil several times along here. Let me just say it this way. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. So y'all need to hide your kids and hide your wife and hide your husband because he's getting everybody in there. Run and tell that, homeboy. (laughs) If you didn't understand it right now, you're not on YouTube enough, okay? (laughs) Um... (laughs) been thinking about the family thing a lot lately, you know, because, because last weekend, honestly, I, I, I wasn't on suspension and I didn't have a hurt leg. I was in Florida with my family having a nice vacation. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, I just, just my wife and my daughter. I don't know why you're clapping. You didn't get to go. Um, (laughs) Just my, just my wife and my daughter, Becca, and we had the best time ever. We just took a four-day weekend. We knew we weren't going to get any other time, and, you know, we got this wedding coming up, and, and she's graduating, and we just wanted to have some quality time with her. So we, Becca and Denise and I, just went to Florida, and one of the things that we did is we watched old home videos of Becca when she was younger. Um, because you know, Denise likes to make a graduation video and, you know, just kind of celebrate the, their life when graduation comes. So we thought, well, let's look for clips of Becca. i got to tell you, it was so emotional for us. I don't know if it's been a while since you've done that, if you're, you know, you, you've been a while since you've raised your kids. It was so emotional for us to go back and look at 18 years and, and look at you know her birth and look at all those early years growing up and hanging out with his sisters and Christmases and birthdays and all that kind of stuff. And I kept having this thought because I was already working on this message I kept having this thought, and I'm going to say this. I know it it may be painful to some of you, but let me just say this. I had this thought multiple times as I was watching how easy it would have been for me to screw this up. I I mean, how easy it would be for me to walk away from this family, how easy it would be for me to do things. I mean, I certainly was not perfect, and we don't have a perfect family now, but it would have been so easy for me to give into more temptation than I gave into and have it affect my family. And I'm so glad looking back now that I didn't. And I want you to hear that because that's really, really important as you think about temptation. And the last thing is temptation will not steal my faith. We talked about this, how many times people give up their faith, because they give in to temptation, so they lose their confidence in God, they get a little bit farther away from God, and they, they give in to temptation, and then they end up kind of walking away and not believing. I know you have questions about God. This series that we're getting ready to start, I really hope that you'll be here for all of them. I mean, we're going to talk about suffering, we're going to talk about science, we're going to talk about all those issues, and sometimes people are like, well, I, I was a believer, but then I had the, you know this intellectual thing that, that tripped me up, and I walked away from God, and I need answers for this, and I appreciate that but usually underlying all of that at some point when you walk away from your faith is some point where not only intellectually but emotionally you said you know what I'm not going to believe in God anymore because I want to live life my own way I want to say yes to Satan I want to take the shortcut I want to go do my live my own life my own way I want to walk away for a while because that's what happens my future my family my faith Matthew 4 8 again the devil took him To the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I don't know how. Maybe he had the Jerry Jones jumbotron we'll be watching this afternoon. I don't know. He somehow showed Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all of this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Submit to my authority just for this moment and I'll give you all of this stuff. In other words, take everything that you know to be true and valued And all that you know in your heart to be right and set it aside for just a second and submit to me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Now, I know your first question is, well, why would this even be a temptation? This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this doesn't seem as big a temptation as making bread when you haven't eaten for 40 days, does it? Why would he possibly want to submit to the devil and how did he care about the kingdoms of the world and why does the devil have them? Well, let me explain all that. Okay, In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and he gave them authority over all the world. Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the face of the earth. And God said, I give you every seed bearing plant in the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and the birds and the creatures, everything that has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. He set up this chain. He set up this authority thing. And he said, you are going to fill the earth and subdue it. You have authority over all the earth. So then the next thing he does is he says, now go and name the animals. Andy Stanley said, Adam went, well, there's too many animals. Why don't you name them? God said, nope, they're under your authority, so you name them. And a little bug flew by, and Adam went, fly. And God said, come on, you could be more creative than that. But the point was, all of earth is under man's authority. So when the devil comes along and says, hey, want to eat this apple? Why don't you bow to me? Why don't you submit to me just for a moment? Not forever. Not, you know, not, not a big thing. Just this one little moment. Why don't you submit to me, and I'll give you more. And they did it. What did they lose? They lost a whole lot of stuff. But one of the things that man lost is authority over the earth. And it went to Satan. He stole it. Like I've been saying all along, there's always more at stake than what we see in the moment. It wasn't just an apple. It was authority over the earth. Lost in one bite. How many times don't you wish that you could have a moment of clarity when temptation comes and be able to see the future? Wouldn't that be great just to be able to take a drink? And have clarity. So when Satan says to Jesus, I have authority to give you all the kingdoms of the earth and their, spl- their splendor, here's what's important to note. Jesus didn't argue with him. Jesus didn't say, you don't have the authority. Because the truth of the matter is, Satan did have authority over the earth. You read the whole Old Testament, and there's this theme. One of the reasons Jesus came was to gain the authority over the earth back. It was something Jesus desperately wanted. That's why it's really fascinating. When you look at the Great Commission, which is like our theme verse around here, it's the marching orders that we have, that Jesus said, right before he went back to heaven, he said... Go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call that the Great Commission. That was our commission. That was our marching orders as a church. And we repeat that around here all the time, but we kind of miss out on that very beginning phrase. There's a beginning phrase in there that Jesus says just before he goes to heaven, Matthew 28, 18. He says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Probably missed that. Right, All authority is mine. What is he saying? The authority that man had in the beginning, that Satan stole, is now mine. Why? Because I died on the cross, I conquered sin, I conquered death, and I rose again. The authority is back to me. I mean, this is a big statement that we don't pay attention to. But it came at great cost. It came at a very great cost. So when Satan stands with Jesus in the desert and says, all this stuff here, the kingdoms of the earth, you could have it now. Why wait? It was a bigger temptation than to make bread. What he's saying is you could skip three years. You could skip the cross. You could skip death and suffering and pain. You could skip all of this because this is what you were designed for. This is what you came for. You came to get the kingdoms of the earth back. You came to get the authority back. I'll give you a shortcut. How does this apply to you? I can guarantee you, at some point in your life, Satan will come, probably subtly, not overtly, he will come to you and he will say, hey, you know that thing you want, that thing you were made for, that thing God designed you for, that thing that you really have in your heart that you think is important, I can give it to you if you will just bow down to me, if you'll just take a shortcut, if you'll just work around Scripture, work around the system come to me again it, I don't think it'll be overt I think it'll be subtle fascinating um I'm not telling you to be a Steeler fan this afternoon but Troy Polamalu is a great Christian he's got a great quote on temptation let's watch that Pittsburgh Steelers safety Troy Polamalu is one of the most fierce defensive players in the NFL his combination of speed anticipation and toughness make him ideal for the position Troy has been a Christian since college After entering the NFL in 2003, he's had to work hard to
1: maintain good character and not allow fame to get the best of it. Troy says that it's not the obvious things that are the hardest to deal with. It's like the really big things that that are really easy to run away from. It's the accumulation of like the really small things. You know, people know adultery is bad and murder is bad. I'm not going to go out and, and, you know, sleep with the first girl I see. I'm not going to go out and beat up and murder the first guy I see. But when your eyes start wandering and your eyes start wandering a little bit more and you start becoming a little more jealous and envious, you know, and these passions start to come really rising up inside of you, you know, that's when it gets really dangerous because, because the devil doesn't work that way. You know, his strategy is always to be like very subtle, you know, and just continue to build on top of that evil seed that he planted.
0: It's fascinating to think about that, isn't it? I mean, I love that that we're going to be watching people like that in the Super Bowl. That's good for me. I I get that, okay? But he's right. It's the subtle little temptations. It's some little, you know, just a little thing. Just bow to me for a moment. Just do it this way for a little bit. Another example, real life in our church last weekend, Luke Novotny. One of our 11-year-olds came up to one of the children's workers uh, and said, Here, I found this. And it was a $100 bill. He found a church last weekend. $100 bill. I mean, he, he went up and he gave it to the teacher. He didn't try to keep it. You know, he didn't He didn't stick it away. I mean, he did the right thing. I mean, he, you say, well, he's 11. I say, well, he did the right thing. That, that's the right thing. It's a good thing. And if you if lost that $100 bill, if you can tell me the serial numbers, I'll give it back to you. Okay? <laughs> Maybe... Um, Maybe the maybe the very thing that God put you here for this relationship or this business or accomplishment or whatever uh, You you might have that in your mind that that's a good thing and it's the right thing But there's a temptation to come along and come around it the other way And and you know that satan is tempting you you know that he has the authority And you know that he can give you stuff and he can get you to where you want to go So it's tempting to just say okay, maybe i'm gonna do this and we might even start to justify it, right? I mean Luke could have said well God must have given me this hundred dollars because it's laying right here and we start to do that Right. Or like well God must have he must want me to be in this relationship because he put this person here He he must want me to do this because it's right here Or like the guy who was trying to lose weight and told God he was going to stop going to the donut shop on the way to work Because that was part of his problem The third day he was really struggling because he really wanted a donut he had a sweet tooth So he said okay God here's the deal as I drive by the bakery today If there's a parking space in front of the bakery, I'm going to take that as a sign that you want me to stop and have a donut. Sure enough, eighth time around the block, there it was, you know. (laughs) Don't we do that? We're trying to justify it. Or we're like the comedian who said, when I was a kid, I used to pray every night for a bicycle. And then I realized God didn't work that way. So I just stole one and asked him to forgive me. Yeah, God, I know that you got a way, I know that you got a plan, but I really want this, so I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my plan. I'm going to bow to Satan. I'm going to figure that out, okay? I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is in here. I don't know what it is that's going on for you, but there's probably a lot of us that are dealing with this right now, and the issue is really this. Do I trust in God? Do I trust in God? Do I want to really believe that God has my best in mind? Do I want to live in peace with Him? Because the moment you take shortcuts and compromise, that's the moment that you lose confidence in your father. And when you lose confidence in your father, then you give in and then you stop believing and all of a sudden you're very far away. All of us can tell of times when we've given in to temptation and then after that, we feel like we're farther away from God, don't you? And, And it's not because God moved. It's not because God went anywhere. It's because we did. God still loves us. God still forgives us. But we move farther away. So there stands Jesus, seeing, feeling, experiencing the kingdoms of the world. And he, you know, again, I want to point this out: Jesus doesn't want authority over the earth for himself. He wants it because he loves the kingdoms of the earth, because he loves people, and he doesn't want them unto be Satan under Satan's rule anymore. So it's a big temptation. So what does he do? He does what he's done all the way through. He goes back to, "It is written." It is written. One more time. He goes back to the Old Testament. He reaches back in. He comes back to the nation of Israel, back when God set things up in the very beginning, back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, like he did a couple of weeks ago with the manna. He went back to another chapter where Moses is getting ready to let the children of Israel go into the promised land. Okay, And Moses isn't going into the promised land. So the children of Israel are going and Moses is not. It's a lot like what's going on in our house right now, isn't it, Becca? I mean, my daughter's getting ready to graduate from high school. I got another daughter's getting married. Mom is giving them advice like nonstop, you know. I mean it's like here's what you need to know, you know. Don't go in swimming until an hour after you've eaten, you know, and wear clean underwear and you know, in case you're in an accident and don't drink, smoke or chew, or go with boys that do. Well, it's too late for, for Rachel, but we're telling back to that, you know, and, and just over and over because we got just this little bit of time to be able to give them this wisdom. And this is what Moses is doing right here. He's just got a little bit of time because his children are going to go off on their own and he's not going to be with them. And, and here's, here's the bottom line of what he says. I like how Stanley says this. Bottom line of what he says is you're never going to accomplish the will of God by abandoning the principles of God. And you'll never maintain the blessing of God by abandoning the values of God. Let me say that again. You'll never accomplish the will of God by abandoning the principles of God. And you will never maintain the blessing of God by abandoning the values of God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this land he's going to give you, a land with big cities that you did not build, and houses filled with good things you didn't even provide, and wells you didn't even dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then... When you eat and you are satisfied when everything is going good for you when you eat and are satisfied be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery well, my marriage is all jacked up, you know, I, I'm PT, you've got to understand, I think I'm going to bail out and I'm going to go find somebody else because there's got to be something better out there. Hold on, remember the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Be careful, don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Well, I'm in business and everybody does it this way, this is just the way we have to do it. Be careful and do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm a student, I'm looking for a scholarship, and i, I got to do good on this test, and i got to get into this college, so I, I'm going to bow to Satan for just a little bit. I'm going to cheat, I'm going to do this. Be careful that do not forget the Lord your God. Moses would say, who got you through the 11th grades so far? Who got you through this place so far? Who got you all these things? Why is it that you think that you need to stop trusting in God now? And then he culminates it in verse 13. Here's my advice for you kids before you go into the promised land. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. In other words, please don't sell out. Please don't bow to the devil. Please don't take the shortcut. So when Satan comes to Jesus and he pulls the same thing, Jesus goes back to Deuteronomy 6.13, and it's quoted in Matthew 4.10, and he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Back to it is written. All he does is quote Scripture. It's interesting in the temptations. Jesus never says anything on his own. All he does is quote Scripture. He was attacked, and he didn't... Deliberate. He didn't, you know, say, well, no, let me." one. He didn't negotiate with the devil. He didn't say, well, you know what? I've never done that before. One time can't hurt. He didn't, he didn't do either one of those things. He just went back to scripture over and over again. Any Andy Griffiths fans out there? How many bullets did Barney Fife have? One, right? He had one, and he he wasn't even allowed to put it in his gun unless Andy told him it was okay, right? His bullet was in his pocket. I don't necessarily recommend that, but I would tell you that there really is only one bullet you need to fight the devil because it's the only bullet that that, that Jesus needed. It was a silver bullet for him. It was, it is written. Verse 4, verse 7, verse 10, every temptation, it is written. The only weapon that you need is the Word of God. And this is why you need to get the Word of God in your life. You need to get the Rhema booklets. You need to get the, the Scripture. You need to pick up a Bible on your way out. You need to get some kind of a reading plan. We've got a lot of them, the soap plan or whatever Bill talked about last week. And get it in the Word of God because that is your arsenal. If you don't have that, you've got, a, you've got an empty gun like Barney did. The bullet in your pocket it's not going to do you any good. It's got to be in there where you need it. So what did Jesus want? He wanted the kingdoms of the world. It was a good thing. It was what He was destined to come for. It's what the incarnation was all about. It's what everything in His life was all about. The whole coming of Christ was all about getting the kingdoms of the world. It was a great thing. But there was one thing that He wanted more. There was one thing He wanted more than that purpose, that destiny He was created for. And that one thing He wanted more than anything else Was his relationship with his heavenly father. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else. He wanted his relationship unbroken with his father. More than he wanted the kingdoms of the world. And in the end what did he get? Both. If he would have bowed to Satan. Submitted to his authority. What would he have gotten? Neither. So let me ask you. What is it that you want so bad? Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's a good thing. What is it that you want so bad? What is it or who is it that you want so bad that you're willing to say, okay, God, I know you got me this far, but I'm not sure what you're doing right now, so I'm going to set you aside and I'm going to take a shortcut. I'm going to take an end run. I'm going to bow to Satan. I'm going to do what I know is not right so that I can get back to that place. What is it? Because you're going to be tempted. What I want you to understand, friends is that God can be trusted. Your timing might not be His timing, your ways might not be His ways, but God is your Heavenly Father and He does love you and He does want the best for you. And if your number one priority is an unbroken relationship with your Heavenly Father, all these things will be added to you as well. Before I head into communion, just one more video, and this is from American Idol last week. I don't know if you're... All Idol fans or not, it doesn't really matter because it's just a great story. And it's a local story. Chris Medina, um, kid from Oak Forest High School. Some of you know him. Um, phenomenal story on American Idol. And I thought, you know what, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I, I don't know much about Chris or his faith or any of these things, but what I see here in this story, and you will too, is the guy who decided to not take an in run, not walk away, not go do whatever he wanted to do, but decided to be committed to a commitment that he made. Let's watch.
1: Juliana and I, we have been together for eight years. We've been engaged for two, going on three. She says, wake up, it's no use pretending. You know, after we got engaged, we kind of made it a, a promise to get married two years after the engagement. But on October 2nd, 2009, she, uh, she got into an accident. Everything changed. And we're still not married. We'll die inside she suffered a traumatic brain injury even though the doctors were saying that she wasn't going to make it, I believed 100% that she was going to. I just felt there's no way she's not going to wake up I didn't know what to expect after that, but I certainly knew that she wasn't going to die and a month and a half later she woke up both her mother and I are her caretakers you're doing great, huh? I was about to make vows just two months from the accident to thick and thin till death do us part in sickness and health for better for worse. what kind of guy would I be if I walked out when she needed me the most if I were to make it to Hollywood I feel like it would get her to be happy about something again I think I would have already won felt like I would have already won something I'm gonna sing uh, Break Even by the script. Go for it. All right. Fall into pieces, yeah. I'm falling to pieces. And when a heart breaks, no, it don't break even, no. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Uh, Go get your girlfriend. You gotta bring her back and introduce us to her. We gotta meet her. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. Oh my God, that would make her day. Go get that girl, man!
0: (laughs) They want to meet Julie? Okay, come on, guys. I gotta tell you, man, I I am so happy right now.
1: Hi. Hello. How
0: are you? Hey, you.
1: Hello i'm randy hi how are you hi i'm jennifer Jennifer lopez nice to meet you (laughs) hi girl
0: steven tyler i just heard your fiance sing and he's so good you know because he
1: sings you all the time i could tell
0: i love that that's that's why he sings so good because he sings to you
1: So, listen, Chris,
0: you got three yeses from Steven, Jennifer, and myself. We discussed it while you were outside. We it when you went out to get her. Dude, you're going to Hollywood.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, A. Who knew Steven Tyler had a soul? <laughs> who is that guy? And uh, and B. It's a great story. And I know people have been talking, you know, some people have been, you know, dissing American Idol, saying, well, they're exploiting this story and all that kind of stuff. You know what? I don't care. I think the world is hungry to see a guy who's going to stand up and do what he said he's going to (laughs) do. Way to go, Chris. if you know him, tell him, way to go from Parkview, man. I think that's awesome. That's what the world is looking for. Because there's so many people that just walk away in that time of in that time of crisis, in that time when Satan comes to them and says, hey, why don't you just go this other way because it would be easier. We're looking for people who are going to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I say." Now, here's two last things as we go into communion that we find out after the temptation. I just need to give you the, the epilogue to the whole thing, okay? Two things happen after the temptation. There's two versions of this in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 4:13, it says this: "When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time." It's a nice little phrase there, right? Until an opportune time. What does that mean? The devil is going to keep coming back. He is like winter in Chicago. You are not going to get away from him. Okay? He is going to keep coming back. And he kept coming back to Jesus. And Jesus had to kept saying, You know what? Get behind me, Satan. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. Worship the Lord God and serve him only. All the way up into Gethsemane. Think about the passion of the Christ. Think about that scene at the beginning where Satan is there and tempting him. That all continued to go on. And I, I hate to tell you this, But the truth of the matter is, you are never going to get so spiritually strong that you are beyond temptation. But the second part, the second good news here, is Matthew's version says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Okay. The downside is Satan's going to keep coming back, and the upside is God is always going to be there. He is always going to make you strong. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, you got a piece of paper in the chair back in front of you on the front row. It's on the floor balcony. I think they passed it out. You can see the crosses around. We're just going to do another interactive thing like we like to do every once in a while around here. We're going to do a song at the end of uh, after communion. We're going to do this song, just a reflective song for you, and give you an opportunity to write the temptation that you're struggling with right now. I want you to write it and fold it up. And then on the way out, we're just going to leave in a, in a real somber mood, in a real re- reflective mood, if you will. Because that's why we've done the offering and everything already. And by the way, if you missed the offering or you didn't get a chance to fill out your card or whatever, there's going to be an usher standing in the back. We'll, we'll be able to, 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 to help you if you missed it earlier, okay? But, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave really reverently. After this whole thing is over, I'll give the benediction. We'll come by. There's crosses all around, one up in the balcony. You'll come by the cross Leave your temptation there and know this verse of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall because Satan's going to keep coming back. But no temptation "...has seized you except the ones that are common to man." And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You're not going to find a temptation that hasn't already been tried by the devil. And there is no temptation that's beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. The angels will come. God will be there with you so that you can stand up under it. You don't need to bow to Satan. You don't need to serve him. You worship the Lord your God and serve him only." It won't be easy. Jesus had to go to the cross. He still had to go through all of those things that he had to do to do it the right way. But in the end, he ended up with this perfect, unbroken relationship with his heavenly Father. It's all about surrender. That's what it's all about. It's all about surrender. So we're going to do communion. And uh, during communion, just give you a chance to reflect a little bit. And then we're going to do this song. And and, and we're going to move into the end of our service and, and leave our temptations at the cross. As we do communion right now, we're going to pass uh, two trays across. There's bread in the bottom, juice in the top. Just take out both cups and hold them for a minute, and we'll all commune together in in, in unison in just a moment. You don't have to be a part of Parkview. If you're a believer in Christ, we welcome you to commune with us. But here's what we're going to give you the opportunity to do when you take communion. I mean, what you're doing, um, this is a holy sacrament. What you're doing is you're saying, I am submitting myself to the Lord God. I am submitting myself to His authority. I'm going to worship the Lord, my God. I'm going to serve Him only. Maybe some of you haven't done this for a while. You've been away from, from your faith one way or another. You've been away and you're back. This is a great time for you and God to reconnect and say, okay, I'm uniting myself with His body. I'm uniting myself with His blood. And you know what? I'm coming under His authority. I recognize that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ. And He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Maybe you've never said that. Maybe, maybe you've never followed him. Maybe this is the time for you to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give in to your authority. I'm going I'm to yield myself to you. I'm going to bow my knee to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. For all of us, as we take this moment, please understand something. I know as I talk about temptation, I know all of us are like, man, all the times I've blown it. Tim, if you only knew. No, you know what? Congregation, if you only knew. I've blown it as many times as you have. and That's the beautiful part about this communion service that we do every week here at Parkview. The beautiful part of it is is we come before the throne of God and we remember that this blood, this, this grape juice that we drink, this blood that it symbolizes covers over all of our sin and we start fresh right here. The reason I talk about this temptation stuff is not because I want to make you feel guilty about the stuff that you've done. The reason I'm talking about it is because I want to save you from the heartache that you could have going forward. Let's pray. God, thank you for grace. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you for that verse that Brianne read earlier, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory, but that we're all justified by faith in you, by your grace. By that redemption that came when you died on the cross. That you came and gave yourself for us so that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not about what we do. It's about whose we are. But when we are yours, Lord, as we contemplate this during communion, help us to remember that being yours is the most important thing. And that worshiping you and serving you only is the most important thing. In spite of our own ambitions, in spite of our own dreams and goals and hopes, in spite of the things that we think that we want, we're committing ourselves right now to putting you first and serving you first. Be with us as we do this in Jesus' name. Amen.